Well, good evening, my brothers and my sisters. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I am sure that you have something to rejoice about today. First of all, you are amongst the living. Father God has allowed you to see and to breathe another day. How good is that? He woke you up this morning, started you on your way. Then he prepared a way for you to take care of your family, your spouse, your children. How good is that? He did not have to do it, but he did. Why? Because he is an awesome daddy. He is a great father. He loves us more than we love ourselves. The Bible says, if you know how to love, and you're a human being. How much more does Father God, who is our Father in heaven, know how to love us, my brothers and my sisters? He loves us more than we love ourselves. That's a lot of love, my brothers and my sisters. That's a lot of love. Father God, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says Father God is love. That's who he is. He is love. He loves every one of us. Even through our pain and our suffering, he loves us. Even when we're not feeling like love, he still loves us. Even when we do something that is not right, he still loves us. My brothers and my sisters, you know, I'm talking about the book of Job. I'm, we're studying on the, the book of Job. The book of Job is one of the greatest books in the Bible. All of them are great, don't get me wrong. I say it's one of the greatest because it talks about a person, a man suffering. Although he did not deserve to suffer, the Bible said he was righteous. He was a righteous man. He did no wrong. So how could you, being a righteous person, why did the devil choose you? Being a good person, never done anything wrong to anybody. But the devil chooses him. Matter of fact, he asked Father God, can he mess with Job? Because Job was righteous and he lived a righteous life. He was a good man. Didn't I do anything to anybody? But he also was a rich man. He owned a lot. And that's not why the devil came against Job. The devil came against Job because he was a righteous man. Because he never did any wrong and he loved the Lord. And so he was put through a test, so to speak. And nobody likes tests, my brothers and my sisters. Nobody wants to be tested. Even when you go through a test like at a school or at a college, tests bother you. They worry you because you know that you should pass the test, but you're not really thinking that you might pass it. For some reason, when we take tests, we worry whether we're going to pass the test or not. We think in our minds, well, you know what? I studied for the test. I know I should know how to pass the test. But am I really ready for this test? I mean, I, I studied for it. I, I stayed up all night. But I, I don't know if I'm going to pass the test. So Job was tested, my brothers and my sisters. Not only once, he passed the test the first time, right? Even when he lost his children, he lost all of his 
land and his everything he owned, he still did not curse God and die. As when we uh, talked about this the first time, Job didn't curse God as his wife wanted him to. He didn't. He didn't curse God. The first time he lost everything he had, the first test he passed it. So the devil comes again, Satan comes again, the Bible says, a second time. And he asked permission. He said, yeah, I know Job passed the test the first time, but I want to do it again. I want to try the second time. I'm going to give him another test. I'm going to give him another test, and I'm going to see if he will pass this test the second time. I'm going to attack his body. That's what I'm going to do. That's what he tells God. I'm going to attack his body and see if he's going to pass his test. If I attack his body. So he asked Father God, could he attack Job's body? And Father God gave him permission to do it. But he said, you can attack his body, but you cannot kill him. So Satan agreed and said, yeah, he agreed. The Bible says in, in Job 2 and, and, and 8, he agreed. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the top of his head to the crown of his feet. He was in so much pain that Job took a pot shared to scrape himself. And sat down among the ashes. And as the Bible said, then his wife said, Why are you still in this type of pain, not cursing God? Why don't you curse God? You're in pain in your body. Why don't you curse God and die? His wife says. But again, he said to her, You foolish woman. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God and shall we not receive evil? And the Bible says, in all of this, did not Job sin with his lips? So, my brothers and my sisters, we go on as I go on and read. Job, because I, as I told you, this is going to be a series talking about Job. So as I left off, and I think it was 3 and 25, which the Bible says, For the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. So Job said he feared this thing. What he was afraid of has come upon him. See, my brothers and my sisters, there are some things that you fear because fear is not of God. I know fear is human. We fear things. But it's not of God because the Bible says, do not fear anything. But we as being human, we fear things every day. When we walk out the door, we fear what's going to be on the other side of the door. We fear when we walk across the street. We fear when we don't feel good and we have to go to a hospital. We fear when we can't make the payments on our house. We fear when the doctor gives us a, a bad word or says that something's in our body, we fear the test that might come back positive on something. See, there's a lot of things that we fear. But Job said the thing that he most feared and that he was afraid of has come 
unto him. And then it goes on and say, I was not in safety, neither had I rest, neither was I quiet, yet trouble came. I'm going to say that again. Job said, I was not in safety, neither had I rest, neither was I quiet, yet trouble came. So my brothers and my sisters, it doesn't matter what state that you're in. It doesn't matter because Job says he wasn't in safety, neither was he at rest. And he was not quiet. But trouble came anyway. So you can't prepare for trouble. I said you can't prepare for trouble, my brothers and my sisters. It doesn't mean that you've done anything wrong. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It doesn't mean that you didn't pay your bills on time. None of that can stop trouble from coming. And as I go on to chapter 4, and I read that Eliphaz and Tematite. They were with Job at some point. Those were his friends. And and they said to Job in chapter 4, if we say our tempted word to commune with you, will you be grieved? But who can withhold himself from speaking? So his friends again came to talk to him. And they said, Joe, will you be annoyed if we speak to you? They said, we can't keep quiet any longer. You have taught many people and given strength to feeble hands. When someone stumbled, weak and tired, your words encouraged them to stand. Now it's your turn, Job, his friend says, to be in trouble. And you are too stunned to face it. And the the King James Version says, but now it has come upon you, his friends tell him. And you faintest. It touches you and you are troubled. Is not this your fear, your confidence, your hope, and the uprightness of your ways? You worship God, and your life was blameless, and so you should have confidence and hope, his friends tell him. Think back now. Name a single case where someone righteous met with disaster. Remember, I pray thee, whoever perished being innocent, or where were the righteous cut off? His friends ask him. Even as I have seen, they that plow iniquity and sow wickedness reap the same. So his friends were going like, I have seen people plow fields of evil and plant wickedness like seed. Now they harvest wickedness and evil. Like a storm, 
God destroys them in his anger. That's what his friends were saying. He says the wicked reap what they sow, his friends were telling Job. Now, this is his friends. So they say, by the blast of God, they perish, and by the breath of his nostrils are they consumed. Verse 10 says, and I'm in uh, chapter 4, the roaring of the lion and the voice of the fierce lion and the teeth of the young lions are broken. The old lion perishes for the lack of prey, and the stout lion's whelps are scattered abroad. Now a thing was secretly brought to me, and mine ear received a little thereof. In thoughts from the visions of the night, when deep sleep falleth on men, fear came upon me, and trembling, which made all my bones to shake. Then a spirit passed before my face, the hair of my flesh stood up. It stood still, but I could not discern the form thereof. An image was before mine eyes. There was silence. And I heard a voice saying, verse 17 says, Shall mortal man be more just than God? Shall a man be more pure than his maker? Behold, he put no trust in his servants, and his angels he charged with folly. How much less in them that dwell in houses of clay, whose foundation is in the dust, which are crushed before the moth. They are destroyed from morning to evening, they perish forever without any regarding it. So the Bible says, God does not trust his heavenly servants. He finds fault even with his angels. The verses say, do you think he will trust a creature of clay? A thing of dust that can be crushed like a moth? We may be alive in the morning, but die unnoticed before evening comes. So he's telling us in verse 18, how much less in them that dwell in houses of clay, whose foundation is in the dust, whose are crushed before the moth. They are destroyed from morning to evening. They perish forever without any regarding it. Doth not their excellency, which is in them, go away? They die even without wisdom. Call now, if there be any that will answer thee, and to which of the saints will thy turn? In chapter 5 now. For wrath killeth the foolish man, and envy slayeth the silly one. I have seen the foolish taking root, but suddenly I cursed his habitation. His children are far from safety, and they are crushed in the gate. Neither is there any to deliver them. To worry yourself to death with resentment would be a foolish, senseless thing to do. I have seen fools who look secure, but I call down a sudden curse on their homes. Their safety can never find their children can never find safety. No one stands up to defend them in court. The Bible says, Although affliction cometh not forth of the dust, neither doth trouble spring out of the ground. Verse 7 says, Yet man is born unto trouble, as the sparks fly upward. 
Man is born into trouble, my brothers and my sisters. Verse 8 said, I will seek unto God, and unto God would I commit my cause, which doeth great things and unsearchable, marvelous things without number. Who giveth rain upon the earth and sendeth waters upon the fields to set up on high those that be low, that those who mourn may be exalted to safety. He disappointeth the devices of the crafty so that their hands cannot perform their enterprise. He taketh the wise in their own craftiness and the counsel of the fort is carried Headlong. They meet with darkness in the daytime, then grope in the noonday as in the night. But he saved the poor from the sword, from their mouth, and from the hand of the mighty. So the poor hath hope, and iniquity stoppeth her mouth. Behold, happy is the man whom God correcteth. Therefore despise not thou the chastening of the Almighty. For whom God loves, my brothers and my sister, he corrects. See, that says in in, uh, Revelations also, says, whom Father God loves, he corrects. For he maketh sore and bindeth up, he woundeth and his hands to make whole. He shall deliver thee in six troubles, yea, in seven there shall no evil touch thee. In famine he shall redeem thee from death, and in war from the power of the sword. Verse 21 says, in chapter 5, thou shalt be hid from the scourge of the tongue, neither shalt thou be afraid of destruction when it cometh. At destruction and famine thou shalt laugh, neither shalt thou be afraid of the beast of the earth. For thou shalt be in the league with the stones of the field, and the beast of the field shall be at peace with thee. And thou shalt know that thy tabernacle shall be in peace. And thou shalt visit thy habitation and shalt not sin. Thou shalt know also that thy seed shall be great. And thine offspring as the grass of the earth. Thou shalt come to thy grave in a full age. Like as a shock of corn cometh in his season. Lo, this we have searched it, so it is, hear it, and know thou it for thy good. But Job answered and said, O that my grief were thoroughly weighed, and my calamity laid in the balances together. For now it would be heavier than the sand of the sea, therefore my words are swallowed up. For the arrows of the Almighty are within me. The poison whereof drinketh up my spirit. The terrors of God do set themselves in array against me. Doth the wild ass bray where he hath grass? Or loweth the ox over his fodler? Can that which is unsavory be eaten without salt? Or is there any taste in the white? Of an egg. The things that my soul refused to touch are as my sorrowful meat. Oh, that I might have my request and that God would grant me the thing that I long for. Even that it would please God to destroy me, that he would let loose his hand and cut me off. Then should I yet have comfort, 
Yea, I would harden myself in sorrow. Let him not spare, for I have not concealed the words of the Holy One. What is my strength that I should hope? And what is my end that I should prolong my life? Is my strength the strength of stones? Or is my flesh of brass? Is not my help in me? And is wisdom driven quiet from me? To him that is afflicted, pity should be shrewd from his friend. But he forsaketh the fear of the Almighty. My brethren have dealt deceitfully as a brook, and as the stream of brooks they pass away, which are blackish by reason of the ice, and wherein the snow is hid. What time they wax warm, they vanish when it is hot. They are consumed out of their place. The paths of their way are turned aside. They go to nothing and perish. The troops of Tina looked. The companies of Sheba waited for them. They were confounded because they had hope. They came thither and were ashamed. For now you are no thing. You see my casting down and are afraid. The Bible says Job was still talking to his friends in verse 6. Job talks to his friends, my brothers and my sister, because his friends were talking before. Job started talking in in chapter 6 when he says, but Job answered and said, the Bible says. And so this is Job talking the whole chapter uh, 6. He says, I know that God is holy. I'm reading you out of the good news version now. I have never opposed what he commands. What strength do I have to keep on living? Why go on living when I have no hope? Am I made of stone? Is my body bronze? I have no strength left to save myself. There is nowhere I can turn for help. In trouble like this, I need loyal friends, whether I've forsaken God or not. But you, my friends, you deceive me like streams that go dry when no rain comes. The streams are choked with snow and ice, but in the heat they disappear, and the stream beds lie bare and dry. So in chapter 6, Job talks back to his friends that have been talking all through chapter 5. Job says in chapter 6 again, I continue, Caravans get lost looking for water. They wander and die in the desert. Caravans from Sheba and Tima search. But their hope dies beside dry streams. You are like those streams to me, he tells his friends. You see my fate and draw back in fear. Have I asked you to give me a gift? Or to bribe someone on my behalf? Or to save me from some enemy or tyrant? All right, teach me. Tell me my faults. I will be quiet and listen to you. Honest words are convincing, but you are, he tells his friends, you are talking nonsense. You think I'm talking nothing but wind. Then why do you answer my words of despair? You would even roll dice for orphan slaves and make yourselves rich off your closest friends. Look me in the face. I won't lie. You have gone far enough. Stop being unjust. Don't condemn me. I am in the right, he tells his friends. But you think I am lying. You think I can't tell right from wrong. So all the in the chapter of 5, Job's friends talk against him, his own friends. See, he couldn't even depend on his friends at the worst time of his life. They thought he had done something to cause this thing, evil thing, to come against him. 
his friends, my brothers and my sisters. See, it's not always your enemies that think the worst about you, especially when you're going through something. Most times, it's your friends that think the worst about you when you're going through something. They say, like Job friends said, you had to do something. Did you? What did you do with your money? What did you do with your time? What did you do with what God had given you? This is what his friends ask. You had to have done something to cause this to come upon you. Now, you would think, that a friend is a friend to the end. <laughs> Not all of your friends are friends to the end, my brothers and my sisters. You're good friends as long as you're doing what they think you should do. Or you're catering to their needs. Or you're there when they think you should be there for them. But when you start going through things, as Job did, then his friends decide, well, hmm, what, what's going on here? What did Job do? I mean, uh, he had to do something. Even your friends who have known you for a long time question you when you're going through something. Not praying for you but questioning why you are going through what you are going through. I said, they were not praying for you. They're questioning you as Joe's friend did him, my brothers and my sisters. As I go into chapter 7, it's, Job says, is there not an appointed time to man upon earth? Are not his days also like the days of an hireling? So Job is questioning now his days upon the earth. He says, it's appointed time. There's an appointed time for man on this earth. We're not going to live forever. There's an appointed time for all of us. If you're a human being on this earth, you didn't come here to stay. This is not your permanent destination. There is another destination after this one, my brothers and my sisters. This is not permanent. You're just going through. Human life is like forced army service, like a life of hard manual labor, like a slave longing for cool shade, like a worker waiting to be paid. Month after month, Job says, I have nothing to live for. Night after night brings me grief. When I lie down to sleep, Job says, the hours drag. I toss all night and long for the morning. My body is full of worms. It is covered with scabs. Pus runs out of my sores. My days pass by without hope. Pass faster than a weaver's shuttle. Remember, O oh God, my life is only breath. The eye of him that hath seen me shall see me no more. Thine eyes are upon me, and I am not. My days pass without hope, pass faster than a weaver's shuttle. Remember, O oh God, my life is only a breath. My happiness is already ended. You see me now, but never again. If you look for me, I'll be gone. Like a cloud that fades and is gone, we humans die and never return. 
We are forgotten by all who knew us. Job says, no, I can't be quiet. I am angry and bitter. I have to speak. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. I am a sea or a well that thou settest a watch over me. When I say my bed shall comfort me, my couch shall ease me, my complaint. Job says, I lie down and try to rest. I look for relief from my pain, but you, you terrify me with dreams. You send me visions and nightmares until I would rather be strangled than live in this miserable body. I give up. I'm tired of living. Leave me alone. My life makes no sense, he says. What is man that thou shouldest magnify him? So Job goes on. Uh, where I left off is that uh, he says in chapter 7, uh, verse 12, Am I a sea or a well that thou settest a watch over me? When I say my bed shall comfort me, my couch shall ease my complaint. Then thou scares me with dreams and terrifies me through visions, so that my soul chooses strangling and death rather than my life. Job says, I loathe it. I would not live all way. Let me alone for my days are vanity. Verse 17 in chapter 7 says, What is a man that thou shouldest magnify him? And that thou shouldest let thine heart upon him. So now he talks about being a person, a human being, not just a man. He says about a man, but he's talking about being a person and a human being. And then he goes on to say, And that thou shouldest visit him every morning and try him every moment. How long would thou not? Depart from me, nor let me alone till I swallow down my spittle. I have sinned. What shall I do unto thee? O thou preserver of men, why hast thou set me as a mark against thee, so that I am a burden to myself? Then he goes on to say, I give up. I'm tired of living. Leave me alone. My life makes no sense. Why are people so important to you? Why pay attention to what they do? You inspect them every morning and test them every minute. Won't you look away long enough for me to follow my spit? Are you harmed by my sin, you jailer? Why ask me for your target practice? Or why use me for your target practice? Am I so great a burden to you? Can't you ever forgive my sin? Can't you pardon the wrong I do? Soon I will be in my grave and I'll be gone when you look for me. And then uh, his friends again starts talking. And this book of Job not only talks about Job speaking, but it says, talks about his friends a lot also. So in chapter eight, his friends, one of his friends, because the Bible says in chapter eight, then answered Bildad, the Shuhite, and said, so that was one of Job's friends. He was a Shuhite and his name was Bildad. And he goes on to say, are you finally through with your windy speech? Very condescending for a friend to say something like that after Job has spilled out his guts to him in chapter 7. His friend says, are you finally through with your windy speech? 
God never twists justice, his friend says. He never fails to do what is right. Your children must have sinned against God. And so he punished them as they deserved. But turn now and plead with Almighty God. If you are so honest and pure, then God will come and help you and restore your household as your reward. And then he he says, if you were pure and upright, surely now he would awake for you and make the habitation of your righteousness prosperous. Though thy beginning was small, yet thy latter end shall greatly increase. So his friend says, God will surely restore you, your household as your reward. So if you're so honest and pure, wow. That's one of his friends, right? He <laughs> um, says, all the wealth you lost will be nothing compared to what God will give you then, since you're so honest and pure. So a condescending friend. <laughs> and then he goes on to say, look for a moment at ancient wisdom. Consider the truths our ancestors learned. Our life is short. We know nothing at all. We pass like shadows across the earth. But let the ancient wise people teach you. Listen to what they had to say. Shall not they teach you and tell you in other words out of their heart? Can the rush grow up without myrrh? Can the flag grow without water? If the water dries up, they are the first to wither, while still too small to be cut and used. Godless people are like those reeds. Their hope is gone. Once God is forgotten, they trust a thread, a spider's web. If they lean on a web, will it hold them up? If they grab for a thread, will it help them stand? So are the paths of all that forget God and the hypocrites. Hope shall perish, whose hope shall be cut off, and whose trust shall be a spider's web. He shall lean upon his house, but it shall not stand. He shall hold it fast, but it shall not endure. He is green before the sun, and his branch shooteth forth in his garden. His roots are wrapped about the heap and see the places of stones. If he destroy him from his place, then it shall deny him, saying, I have not seen thee. Behold, this is the joy of his way, and out of the earth shall others grow. Behold, God will not cast away a perfect man, neither will he help the evildoers. Till he filled thy mouth with laughing and thy hip lips with rejoicing. They that hate thee shall be clothed with shame, and the dwelling place of the wicked shall come to naught. Then Job answers his friend. In verse 9, he says, yes, I've heard all of that before. I know that to be truth. But how should man be just with God? But how can a human being win a case against God, Job says in verse 9? How can anyone argue with him? He can ask a thousand questions that no one could ever answer. God is so wise and powerful. No one can stand up against him. Without warning, he moves mountains, and in anger, he destroys them. God sends earthquakes and shakes the ground. He rocks the pillars that support the earth. He can keep the sun from rising and the stars from shining at night. No one helped God spread out the heavens 
I trampled the sea monster's back. God hung the stars in the sky, the dipper, Orion, the Pleiades, and the stars of the south. Lo, he goeth by me, and I see him not. He passes on also, but I perceive him not. We cannot understand the great things God does, and to his miracles there is no end. He takes what he wants and no one can stop him. No one dares ask him, what are you doing? God's anger is constant. He crushed his enemies who helped Rahab. The sea monster opposed him. Whom doubt, whom though I were righteous, yet would I not answer, but I would make supplication to my judge. If I had called and he had answered me, yet would I not believe that he had hearkened unto my voice. So how can I find words to answer God? How can I find words to answer God? Though I am innocent, all I can do is beg for mercy from God, my judge. Yet even then, if he lets me speak, I can't believe he would listen to me. He sends storms to batter and bruise me without any reason at all. He won't let me catch my breath. He has filled my life with bitterness. Should I try force Try force on God? Should I take him to court? Could anyone make him go? I am innocent and faithful, but my words sound guilty, and everything I say seems to condemn me. I am innocent, but I no longer care. I'm sick of living. Nothing matters. Innocent or guilty, God will destroy us. When an innocent person suddenly dies, God laughs. God gave the world to the wicked. He made all the judges blind. And if God didn't do it, who did? So Job is just in pain. He's speaking from his heart. He doesn't know why he is going through this. He says, if I wash myself with snow water and make my hands never so clean, yet shall thou plunge me in the ditch and mine own clothes shall abhor me. By day's race, by not one of them good, my life passes like the swiftest boat, as fast as an eagle swooping down on a rabbit. If I smile and try to forget my pain, all my suffering comes back to haunt me. I'll, if I know that God does hold me guilty. Since I'm held guilty, why should I bother? No soap can wash away my sins. God throws me into a pit with filth, and even my clothes are ashamed of me. If God were human, I could answer him. We could go to court to decide our quarrel. But there is no one to step between us, no one to judge both God and me. Stop punishing me, God. Keep your terrors away. I'm not afraid. I'm going to talk because I know my own heart. See, so Job is feeling some type of way. He's tired. He's confused. He's disgusted. He doesn't know what to do. He is just, he's like, no, I, I can't do this. What is going on? Why can't God stop this pain that I'm feeling? His friends have turned against him. He feels like he has no one. So he's just talking because that's the way he's feeling. And he goes on to chapter 10. Job keeps on talking. He says, my soul is weary of my life. I will leave my complaint upon myself. I was speaking the bitterness of my soul. Don't condemn me, God. Tell me, what is the charge against me? Is it right for you to be so cruel, to despise what you yourself have made? 
than to smile on the schemes of wicked people. Do you see things as we do? Is your life as short as ours? Then why do you track down all my sins and hunt down every fault that I have? You know that I'm not guilty, that no one can save me from you. Your hands formed me and shaped me, and now those same hands destroy me. Remember that you made me from clay. Are you going to crush me back to dust? Has thou not poured me out as milk and curdled me like cheese? Thou hast clothed me with skin and flesh and hast fenced me with bones and sinews. You gave my father strength to beget me. You made me grow in my mother's womb. You formed my body with bones and sinews and covered the bones with muscle and skin. You have given me life and constant love, and your care has kept me alive. You have granted me life and favor, and your visitation has preserved my soul and my spirit. And these things hast thou hid in thine heart. I know that this is with thee. You were watching to see if I would sin so that you could refuse to forgive me. As soon as I sin, I'm in trouble with you. But when I do right, I get no credit. I'm miserable and covered with shame. If I have any success at all, you hunt me down like a lion to hurt me. You even work miracles. You always have some witness against me. Your anger toward me grows and grows. You always plan some new attack. Why, God, did you let me be born? Job asked. On, oh, that I had given up the ghost, and no eye had seen me. To go from the womb straight to the grave would have been as good as never existing. Isn't my life almost over? Leave me alone, Job says. Let me enjoy the time I have left. I'm going soon and will never come back. Going to a land that is dark and gloomy, a land of darkness, shadows, and confusion, where the light itself is darkness. So, Job is really, really, really sad, and he's just going into this dark place, and he's talking to God and in chapter 10. And also his friends are still talking, believe it or not. In chapter 11, his friends start speaking. It says, Then answered Zophar, the Naotite, and said, that's one of Job's friends. So they're still talking. Will no one answer all of this nonsense? <laughs> his friends have no sympathy for Job, okay? I've already figured it out. Every time his friends come on the scene, they're very condescending and they are not sympathetic to Job. So Zophar speaks now. Well, no one answer all this nonsense. Does talking so much put you in the right? Job, do you think we can't answer you? That your mocking words will leave us speechless? You claim that what you say is true. You claim you are pure in the sight of God. How I wish God would answer you. He would tell you there are many sides to wisdom. There are things too deep for human knowledge. God is punishing you less than you deserve. Can you discover the limits and bounds of the greatness and power of God? The sky is no limit for God, but it lies beyond your reach. God knows the world of the dead, but you do not know it. God's greatness is broader than the earth, wider than the sea. If God arrests you and brings you to trial, who is there to stop him? 
God knows which people are worthless. He sees all their evil deeds. Stupid people will start being wise when wild donkeys are born tame. Put your heart right, Job. Reach out to God. Put away evil and wrong from your home. Then face the world again, firm and courageous. Then all your troubles will fade from your memory, like floods that are past and remember no more. Your life will be brighter than sunshine at noon, and life's darkest hours will shine like the dawn. You will live secure and full of hope. God will protect you and give you rest. You won't be afraid of your enemies. Many people will ask you for help. But the wicked will look around in despair. And find that there is no way to escape. Their one hope is that death will come. So, Job, friends, if you have friends like Job, you don't need enemies, my brothers and my sisters. These friends are still blaming Job for his misgivings or or, or the things that are coming against him. His friends are blaming Job for it. Still are blaming him. They blamed his children. His other friends said it had to be your children. God wouldn't come against you unless your children had did something. And so condescending his friends are. They, they're still telling Job it had to be your fault. With friends like that, who needs enemies. So Job comes back in verse 12 and answered his so-called friends. He says, no doubt, but you are the people and wisdom shall die with you. But I have as much sense as you have. So Job tells his friends, I have as much sense as you have. I'm in no way inferior to you. Everyone knows all that you have said. Even my friends laugh at me now. They laugh, although I'm righteous and blameless. But there was a time when God did answer my prayers. You have no troubles, and yet you make fun of me. You hit someone who is about to fall. But thieves and godless people live in peace, though their only God is their own strength. Even birds and animals have much they could teach you. Ask the creatures of earth and see for their wisdom. All of them know that the Lord's hand made them. It is God who directs the lives of his creatures. Everyone's life is in his power. But just as your tongue enjoys tasting food, your ears enjoy hearing words. Old people have wisdom, but God has wisdom and power. Old people have insight. God has insight and power to act. When God tears down, who can rebuild? And who can free those God imprisons? Drought comes when God withholds rain. Flood come when he turns water loose. God is strong and always victorious. Both deceived and deceiver are in his power. He takes away the wisdom of rulers and makes leaders act like fools. He dethrones kings and makes them prisoners. He humbles priests and men of power. He silences those who are trusted and takes the wisdom of old people away. He disgraces those in power and puts an end to the strength of rulers. He sends light to places dark as death. 
He makes nations strong and great, but then he defeats and destroys them. He makes their leaders foolish and lets them wonder, confused and lost. They grope in the dark and stagger like drunkards. So Job answers his friends as he always does. And he goes into the whole chapter 12 is him answering his friends. And then he goes on to chapter 13 and he says, Lo, mine eye has seen all of this. Mine ear hath heard and understood it. He says, everything you say, I have heard before in chapter 13. I understand it all. I know as much as you do. I am not your inferior, he tells his friends. But my dispute is with God, not you. I want to argue my case with him. You cover up your ignorance with lies. You are like doctors who can't heal anyone. Say nothing and someone may think you are wise. So he tells his friends to shut up. (laughs) He should have told them that a long time ago. He tells them to shut up, say nothing. And someone may think that you are wise. So listen while I state my case, Job says. Why are you lying? Do you think your lies will benefit God? Are you trying to defend him? Are you going to argue his case in court? If God looks at you closely, will he find anything good? Do you think you can fool God the way you fool others? So Job is talking back to his friends now. They had all of these things to say about Job. So Job talks to his friends in verse in chapters 12 and chapters 13. Matter of fact, he gets really real with them in chapter 13. He says, do you think you can fool God the way you fool others? Even though your prejudice is hidden, he will reprimand you. And his power will fill you with terror. Your proverbs are as useless as ashes. Your arguments are as weak as clay. He tells them, be quiet and give me a chance to speak. And let the results be what they will. I am ready to risk my life. I've lost all hope. So what if God kills me? I'm going to state my case to him. It may even be that my boldness will save me, since no wicked person would dare to face God. Now, listen to my words of explanation. I'm ready to state my case, because I know I am in the right. Are you coming to accuse me, God? If you do, I'm ready to be silent and die. Let me ask for two things. Agree to them, and I will not try to hide from you. Stop punishing me, and don't crush me with terror. Speak first, O God, and I will answer, or let me speak, and you answer me. What are my sins? What wrongs have I done? What crimes am I charged with? Why do you avoid me? Why do you treat me like an enemy? Are you trying to frighten me? I am nothing but a leaf. You are attacking a piece of draw a piece of dry straw. You bring bitter charges against me. Even for what I did when I was young. You bind chains on my feet. You watch every step I take and even examine my footprints. As a result, I crumble like rotten wood, like a moth-eaten coat. My brothers and my sisters, Job starts with his friends and he tells his friends exactly what he thinks about them. And they, as we will see, will continue on this back and forth with Job. But Job also speaks to God in chapter uh, 
13. And he wants answers from God. So we're going to continue uh, with the story of Job. Because it is so, I think it's so interesting. Because nobody ever read to me in church, while I was in church, about the story of Job. I mean, people quoted from it. But no one ever actually taught me the story of Job. And so I, I, I think that we need to hear it. I mean, we hear about it. But I think we need to hear it about the story of Job. Because it is real. And it can help somebody that's going through some things that don't that don't understand why they're going through. Maybe just by studying Job, my brothers and my sisters, it will help us to understand. Okay, so if this Bible study has been a blessing to you, please share it with others. It's not for you to keep it to yourself, my brothers and my sisters. It is not. It's for I do this for you to share it with others. Because it's the word of God. And it's not to be kept to yourself. It's for you to share. Uh, you All you have to do is click on the share button and share it with someone. Also, if you want to give to this podcast, to this Bible study, feel free to do that. At the end of this podcast, there's a link. And if you want to donate to this podcast, feel free to do that. Of course, I don't live off donations because I don't get any. Um, But if you want to, I still have to put it out there. If you want to, feel free to do it. So I'll talk to you next time as we continue with the story of Job. Bye-bye.